What's up, y'all? Welcome to class. This is Diseducation. My name is Mignon. I'm a Black non-binary teacher. And I'm a Vietnamese-American teacher named Quinn. Together, we are looking at what it's really like inside U.S. classrooms and schools through our eyes as teachers of color. In other words, what's happening behind closed classroom doors? Because the reality is that U.S. education is burning, and students and teachers of color are the ones on fire. This is Diseducation. Last episode, we talked about the escalating racism and retaliation we faced as the sole teachers of color on a collaborative team. Our conversation today is a continuation of that story that we expanded on in last week's episode. If you haven't already, check that episode out first. It was fire. (laughs) Here with us today is Amber. Hey. Hey, girl. Amber is a coworker who worked with us on the project with a capital P. We are so happy to have you here with us today. So, Amber, last class, we talked about how things escalated after a crazy-ass email thread in the increasingly harmful environment on the team leading up to the big presentation day for Project with a capital P, right? You'd think that this big presentation day, this would be where everything went down. The reality is that everything for us, you and I, Mignon, went down after D-Day occurred. And every year after the big presentation day, Uh, There is a recap meeting that's held with the entire team. This includes, right, the ninth grade English teachers, the ninth grade social studies teachers, the librarian, you, Amber, right? All of us meet and we go over, hey, what went well? uh, What went wrong? Not just, right, the presentation day itself, but also the process, the planning of this project. What's it going to look like next year? This year, however, so much of the racism and ableism and classism that was embedded in this project curriculum had really been exposed. And so our English department head told us that we should come into that meeting and just lay everything out on the table, everything that had been going on, both in terms of the actual curriculum being delivered to students and also the racism in the collaboration process on that team. She told both of us, Quinn and Quinn, you and I, Mm -hmm. to bring it to the table so it could be dealt with. She said that this was part of collaborating. Yeah, she did. Um, And Amber, you were actually present for this Mm -hmm. recap meeting alongside the two of us. I'm actually really curious more than anything to hear your version of the event. In your eyes, what happened? So we met in the library Mm -hmm. um, after school. During this meeting, it was clear that one of the team members who sent out this email and happened to be the same person who accosted you, Mignon, in the library had created an agenda without anyone else's input, and just simply wanted to review that. But that's not what happened. Talk us through what happened. Quinn, I believe it was you who began to talk about the barriers you faced while trying to collaborate with our colleagues on this project and how it was impacting students. You brought up that it felt that you were being racially stereotyped and harmed by certain people on this team. Your words seemed to be chosen carefully and measured, and I felt like they were effective. Then another same teacher brought up an incident about a student you taught, Quinn. It seemed like this same teacher was implying that you were being played by a student because essentially you're just a young female teacher. Oh, oh, wait. I think I remember. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I was trying to name specific examples of microaggressions that I've personally experienced or witnessed on the team in order to actually 
it was really to help the SAM teachers realize how their behavior and their words can harm students and colleagues. Honestly, I wasn't really trying to shame anyone. I just wanted to say, here's an example. Here's why it's bad. Please don't do this again because it hurts us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt, you know, if I had a choice, I wouldn't have wanted to get so specific or detailed. Um, But I felt that I had to because they weren't believing me and were completely denying that racism was ever present in any of our interactions. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that I had to tell a specific story um, in order for them to actually understand and break down, like, here's how this hurts people of color like me, which once again, this is the inequitable workload that you and I, Mignon, were talking about in episode three, that, you know, having to educate colleagues, it can be a great burden. And even though I knew that this was an extra, right, kind of workload I was taking on to do this, I honestly didn't mind. I wanted to do this in order to help the team learn and to grow together. Mm -hmm. And The example I was giving was centered around how to pronounce non-Western names. One of the SAM teachers was insinuating that a particular student with an Urdu name, whom many teachers had written off as this, quote, troublemaker, when, you know, I don't think necessarily he was, and I just don't believe in that kind of labeling and categorization of students. Um, She thought that, you know, this student was playing me because he was telling me that I should pronounce his name one way, which wasn't the way he was introducing himself to the other teachers. And I just remember feeling so sad and frustrated at the microaggressions that the SAM teacher was committing against the student. I mean, her her go-to instinct was to criminalize the student, to say, oh, he's doing it for this bad, negative reason. He's trying to pull one on you um, and to culturally pathologize him. She, it just it never occurred to her that maybe it was just a cultural thing, that he was having to pick and choose which version of his name right, that he would introduce himself and let other people refer to him as. I feel like I know that personally. Like, I think I was feeling very personally attached to this particular memory because I have a deeply ethnic name and I have to make really complicated choices constantly, sometimes in split seconds, like, this is what you should call me, this is the version of the pronunciation of my name. It's complicated Mm -hmm. and brought up a lot for me. And... I'm pretty sure that he only told me to pronounce his name that way because he felt that I could say it right and he felt that I cared to say it right. And I'll just add in here, you start every year exploring the English language Mm. and talking about names. You talk to students about your name and the importance of name and and work with all students to pronounce every peer's name right. So of course he would think, hey, Miss Quinn... (laughs) might be able to pronounce my name the way I want it pronounced. But the moment when you really kind of hammered this home in the meeting was actually really powerful because these folks were arguing with you Mm. about basically your own experience Mm. having, as you called it, a deeply ethnic name. And at a certain point, you just stopped them and you said, you all don't know my name. (laughs) Oh, shit. I got dramatic. I do not. Oh, that is so embarrassing. And then then the room just kind of, they they still, it seemed like they wanted to argue. And you said it again. You don't know my name. I said, my name is Bung Wink Win Hung. (laughs) And it was like you could hear a pin drop. Mm -hmm. And I just saw 
these teachers who are arguing with you about your own name just kind of turtle in on themselves because it's it it seemed like they realized for the first time y'all have no idea what you're talking about which is crazy because i think it really captured how like one this intense reaction to just me saying my name but also once again it really hammers in like this is why names are important Mm -hmm. that's when one of the same teachers stood up pushed out her chair Mm. forcefully jabbed her fingers in the direction of you quinn and said i don't have to take this i won't even be here next year I remember vividly how she stood up and made herself seem big, taking up space. You could hear her voice starting to crack. And then here comes the white woman tears. I remember that moment. I'm curious about how you felt when you witnessed that, Amber. To be honest, I felt embarrassed to see this adult woman whom I had seen as sort of a mentor respond in this big, emotional way. It really felt like she was utilizing the power of her white woman tears. And again, like there were students around who could see and hear what was going on. Her body language and words were unprofessional, defensive, and it was really rude. It felt like she was trying to flip the script and make herself the victim here. did you two see this meeting? I mean, I remember everything you've described, Amber. Another moment that sticks out in my mind is our department head physically shushing you, Quinn. Really? Yeah, it was this moment when I you didn't were, know that. When you're talking and it just made me think, does this mean when the only Asian member of our team is speaking as clear as possible. And for the first time, no one can try to twist your words around that you need to be shut up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to clarify here that our department head was Asian. You know, she was a person of color, a woman of color. Um, And for me, who also identifies as Asian American, It felt like a really deep betrayal to me to have someone who is supposed to be in my community not back me up. And I think this is important to point out, too. Like, reminder, she told me and Mignon to bring all this up at the meeting. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think if I had had her explicit permission and her guidance, I wouldn't have done this. Like, it would have gone against instinct to openly talk about the racism I was facing in a team meeting this way. And... So, you know, to be honest, I just, I didn't understand. Part of me wondered, was I being set up? In this moment, it really felt like the English department chair was playing both sides. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny because I don't remember her shushing me. You, you say you do, Mignon, but I remember her shushing you. <laughs> and the thing is, you didn't even open your mouth. What was the moment? Do you remember? Um, I felt like you were just kind of turning your body a little bit. You know, like I was like, about to speak. Yeah, like you were about to speak. Like your body language is like, and then right away, shushed you. That's actually so interesting. So it's like a black body in motion is a danger. Mm. And since we're here talking about body language, 
The teacher that accosted you, Mignon, in the library, was turning her body away from you, not making eye contact, and she was making herself small and meek, hiding behind her computer screen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, what's interesting is, like, what that teacher was doing was so very different from the teacher that was yelling at me, right? Like, she was mm-hmm. making her body bigger. And I think another part of this equation that nobody ever thought to think is that if anyone cared enough about you or me, Mignon, they would have seen... I think we were really stiff. I think if you really looked at this, it was visible that we felt now so unsafe. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Not just uncomfortable, like, especially I think after being jabbed at, being yelled at, it was that moment, like, I think I really felt unsafe at my mm-hmm. own workplace. And again, we were in a common space. Students were listening to this entire yeah, meeting happened. several of my actual ninth graders who were part of this project for the capital P were there. <laughs> they heard everything. Wow. This meeting ended up ending in a way where it didn't feel like anything really got resolved. The next day, uh, I ended up having to return keys to the very Sam teacher who had yelled at me um, in the meeting the day before. And I was honestly hoping that this was just going to be a simple process, really pain-free. I mean, it's just a set of keys. I just had to put it in her hands and then leave. Um, But when I met up with her to do this very simple task, she started getting into it again with me, saying that I had attacked her yesterday, that I was attacking her now in this conversation. She kept repeating the word attack, attack, attack over and over again. And with, you know, increasing intensity um and I started feeling really unsafe and I honestly felt so thankful that another colleague was present to witness that because I realized how vulnerable I was in that moment she could have twisted this conversation one-on-one if there'd been no one there and said that you know anything had happened in between a new teacher like me and someone with her seniority and status at the school who who would believe me Mm -hmm. and it was after this meeting that I realized I can't ever really be safe at this school. Yeah. Like, how am I supposed to collaborate with someone who I can't even trust to say the truth about me in a private conversation like this? And if you thought things couldn't get worse, they did. Boy, did it escalate. (laughs) And after this meeting in the library, an email was sent out to have a Zoom meeting about the project department heads from English and social studies, and the admin team were all invited. Just to be clear, they're usually not invited to what are typically low-stakes meetings. And something that was particularly damning was that Quinn and Mignon were not invited to this meeting, along with one other English teacher. Even though, again, Quinn and Mignon, y'all were leads. You were project leads. Damn right we were. Yeah. I was actually not on campus the day the email went out uh, because Mm -hmm. my last remaining grandparent, my Nana, had just died. It had been a hell of a couple of weeks. Uh, And so I found out about this because, Amber, you called me and told me, hey, they're planning an exclusionary meeting about this capital P project. And this meeting is about to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other white English teacher who had been invited to the meeting ended up telling me right away about it because she felt so uncomfortable that I wasn't included. So Amber, what actually ended up happening at this meeting since we weren't there? Well, I remember the beginning of the meeting, 
with the English department chair asking, maybe even interrupting, to ask why the two of you weren't invited. And the same teacher that yelled at you, Quinn, in the last meeting said, well, the two of you weren't invited because y'all weren't coming back next year. Uh, in the last meeting, when she was having her whole yelling outburst, she literally said she wasn't coming back either. <laughs> like, she said she was leaving, and that's why she didn't need to listen to anything. Yeah. That teacher ended up confirming, again, that she wasn't coming back for another year, even though she was one of the teachers planning and organizing this exact meeting. Wow. The other team member who had accosted you in the library, Mignon, also revealed that she wasn't planning on coming back next year either. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, too, is that Mignon and I heard later that the people who planned the meeting had excluded the other English teacher on purpose because they knew it would look bad to only exclude the two teachers of color. So does this mean that they intended to only exclude us, but added one more person to try to obscure that that's a wild thing to admit hey we know we can't just exclude teachers mm -hmm. of color even though we only want to exclude the teachers of yeah. color yeah and honestly i have some really real feelings about that in that meeting that we talked about where you know there was that sam teacher that was yelling at me um we, we didn't talk we haven't talked about it yet but one of the lines i remember her saying in that meeting to me was you know why don't you ever give me the benefit of the doubt Mm. And I remember, you know, like just when I think about it, when this email was sent and I was, you know, wasn't included in this meeting, when I found out I was being excluded from this meeting, I remember thinking to myself, you know, this still really sucks. The consequences are real. I am a project lead that's not being included. I literally am not being allowed to do my job. But I thought the intentions were just coming from this really, you know, real emotional place of defensiveness, that this teacher perhaps or these teachers involved were excluding me without really thinking they were doing it. They just didn't want to be around someone who is making them feel uncomfortable. Perhaps they felt guilty or ashamed or just didn't know what to do with what was brought up at the previous meeting. I, I had no idea. Like, I honestly did not suspect that there was any calculation to it. In other words, you were giving them the benefit of the doubt. Always. I had no idea that it was so calculated. Looking back, I sometimes wonder, you know, like I, I think to myself, damn, I was just so fucking naive. I don't think you were naive, but I do hear you. I also just want to note here that there's all this bullshit about, oh, Mignon and Quinn aren't coming back. Right. But first of all, they're saying they're not coming back too. So already bullshit number one. Bullshit big fat number two is that the previous year, two English teachers left the school. Oh, yeah. And they were, they were both invited. included in the wrap up. We meetings all knew they were leaving. Every wrap yeah. up meeting for this capital P project. Okay. Uh, what's the difference? They were white. Exactly. So, Amber, <laughs> back to the actual meeting that you were in that Quinn and I were excluded from. What happened next? Well, when one of the same teachers that couldn't attend the library meeting asked about what went down, the teacher that had yelled at Quinn responded that what happened at the last meeting was nothing but a bitch fest. And... <laughs> 
And I could not believe that that came out of her mouth. It was disgusting to hear her call the last meeting a bitch fest because it was not bitching. It felt like she was minimizing your experiences of being racially mm. harmed and really ignoring how students were being negatively impacted. Mm-hmm. Can I be honest? Like throughout everything that we've described and all the things that happened, which is just really one story out of two years, I have felt frustrated I have felt angry. I have never cried. But when they told me that that teacher referred to that meeting and what I said as a bitch fest, that was the first time I honestly cried. The exclusionary meeting kind of felt like they were trying to see where I and the one other white English teacher stood. Like, do we all agree that this last meeting was a bitch fest? Do we all just continue working on this project without addressing anything? Mm. So, like, are you going to align with whiteness, align with the like status quo? They were sussing you out. Or mm. are you deviant in some way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you an obstruction as well? Yeah. So I remember also that you said, Amber, that admin were included on this planning email. Did they show up? Um, The department chairs from social studies and English attended, but no one from admin was there. Mm, I'm not surprised. Is there anything else you'd like to share about that meeting that you can remember? I do recall that the conversation that we kind of wrapped up with was, you know, where does this project go next year? Mm. And the English teacher, the department chair, and I were all pretty clear that it can't happen the way that it happened this year. Um, The SAM teachers and some of the other members wanted to continue with it. And there was, again, no resolution. No consensus. I see. Despite the fact again, that the English department chair said that both she and our principal would back ending this capital P project if English said to end it. Mm. English said it with us. English said it without us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the exclusionary meeting, Mignon and I received an email from the only English teacher on the team that had been invited. She wanted to fill us in on what we had missed. And while I recognize that she had really good intentions, I am so thankful to her, I just was uncomfortable meeting after being excluded from such a vital get-together. Terrible precedent to set. Yeah, I mean, reminder, I was a paid team leader of this project. They were discussing the future of a project without the leaders there. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Um, And what made me even more uncomfortable was that my department head and the entire administration knew about the meeting and proceeded to either attend and or let it happen. And I stated that this felt to me like it was reaching into legitimate racial harassment and discrimination territory. There was now written proof that I was being excluded from work meetings and therefore prevented from performing my job to support students. 
I mean, there had been so much that I had kept silent for the sake of continuing to collaborate for shared students. But what happened felt like an overreach. At that point, I felt I needed to have a written response to protect myself. After that exclusionary meeting, the English department had asked to meet with you and I, Quinn, uh, to ask what she should have done differently. Once again, she was putting the onus on us to figure out what she and other teachers should do. I remember that she said she knew it was wrong for them to exclude us and that she went to the meeting to tell them that that was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling her that, you know, if I was in your position, I would have responded to the email chain and named the fact that they were excluding us and that as English department head, whose job it is to protect my department, my people, this meeting wasn't going to happen unless these teachers were included. And then I would have made sure the principal knew about it. I mean, I also told her that she should have notified us. Our department mm -hmm. had never told us that this was happening. Other people told us. Amber, you told me. Mm -hmm. The other English teacher who was actually on the team told you, Quinn. Our department had only came and talked to us after we named that that was wrong, mm -hmm. right? And then she asked us, do you remember this? She asked us what she should do to protect teachers of color in the future because she felt like she had failed us. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember thinking to myself, like, is that my job to come up with the solutions here after what I just went through? But, you know, thinking that some of my words but my advice could potentially help future people in my position, I said, you know, you need to stand up for teachers of color. You are one of them, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have to take some body hits if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a mentor. Part of protecting teachers of color means that you have to go to bat for them and there might be costs. And I'm not saying like, don't be strategic, but you can't always get away completely unscathed. And I wanna give her some credit for being reflective um, and for asking for feedback. I do think that's super important. Um, but it was really frustrating to have that conversation. And you know, I think we both said that, hey, one of the things she needed to think about was bringing in new teachers of color to this school and to this team in particular was gonna put those new teachers of color in harm's way. And she did it anyway. Immediately. In, they literally hired. So y'all know, I'm a black teacher. <laughs> Quinn is a Vietnamese teacher. Tell me why to fill in open English spots, they hired another black teacher and another Vietnamese teacher. I'm just saying, Vietnamese, that's getting real specific. Mignon and Quinn 2.0. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if they stayed, I think at least one of them didn't stay. And I don't know why, but it's really telling that a black teacher and a Vietnamese teacher leaves and they say, all right, let's bring in another. <laughs> Control, paste, Control, C. Yeah, I, I don't know my keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> you know what I mean. There were a lot of really tangible steps that the administration could have taken to help prevent the racist environment that we were in, such as, number one, like not letting the exclusionary meeting happen. I mean, we know that oftentimes admin are encouraged 
to try to stay out of things and not get involved. But if you want to retain teachers of color, you gotta step in when racism is happening. You can't let mm-hmm. these friendships with white teachers guide decision-making in your job. They could have just said, hey, this meeting can't happen unless you include these other two project team leads. After the meeting where you were both excluded, other department heads began to realize something was going on, and they wanted to hear gossip, and they would come to me. Another teacher and I collaborated on a petition because we were sick and tired of how the Broken Teacher Diversity Pipeline was pushing out amazing teachers of color like the two of you. But it became clear really fast that people at our school thought that y'all were behind the petition, which wasn't the case at all. But that was the hot goss, and no one thought to fact check it. Yeah, I mean, that it really does suck because the kind of result of that, you know, like allyship was actually that the exclusion and the gossip and retaliation against Gwen and I escalated when the petition happened. And I think that did further impact our ability to support our students and do our work because, you know, teaching doesn't happen in isolation. And when I look back on it, you know, now with some time, I feel like I saw exclusion and targeting of white teachers who were publicly aligning themselves. It felt like in supporting the two of you and advocating for students that I was perceived as a shitster the following year. Like your mm. reputation had taken a hit. Mm-hmm. What all you were doing really was, was advocating for us and for students. It got to the point where I felt like I was being socially isolated and it made it harder for me to support my students and ultimately made it impossible for me to stay in this community. We've run through so many issues with this project, with collaborating with Karens. What we were interested in was prioritizing a curriculum that would support every student, all students. We can't ignore historically marginalized students. In fact, we need to center historically marginalized students in our curriculum. What could have happened differently? I mean, I don't know. Number one, maybe make this project actually rigorous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually bring in like youth Use participatory active research. I mean, if you think about it, right, this project with a capital P, there's really two major components, research and then the final presentation. So in terms of research, I think something that we actually needed to be doing was helping students at a foundational level be able to ask complex, thoughtful, investigative questions. Oh, you mean don't just give them every single question and tell them do a little Google search? Hmm. Number one. And then number two, presentation, right? Like in in terms of that, one solution I can think of was a real authentic audience. Not one made of students coerced because if they participated, they'd get, you know, extra credit points. But real decision makers where if students presented their research, their work was actually going to have an audience that could perhaps apply or utilize what they were doing. And so what all of this showed, right, like our narrative over these last two episodes is revealing that at this school site, and I suspect at a lot of other school sites, advocacy for students means that you get pushed out of the education system as a whole. And a lot of times the reason is because, you know, you don't want to be an agent of harm towards students anymore. You don't want to witness harm that you're unable to interrupt because it takes an emotional toll on you. 
and you don't want to be harmed yourself anymore. And unfortunately, this is what happens. We saw that when teachers of color advocate for student equity, they're punished and they're pushed out. And teachers leave because they can't continue to be complicit. And students are left with people who are willing to be complicit in white supremacy to uphold their own power. And after all this transpired with the project with a capital P, the gossip mill and rumors started rolling. And that makes me think of a quote by the indigenous scholar, Dr. Black Deer, who speaks about the danger this poses, writing, Remember, white supremacy thrives in the sneaky gossip corners and whisper networks. Speaking openly in community is how we resolve these issues collaboratively. Shutting down and getting defensive upholds white comfort and power. Thank you, Amber, so much for joining us, for having this conversation, and for sharing your reflections on this experience we all shared. We are so appreciative. Thank you. And tune in next episode to hear Midian and Quinn speak to the dangers and damages of these gossip corners. In other words, what happens when white supremacy defends itself. See you next class.